You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 83. Shout out to Heath Miller, number 83. Do you have a favorite 83, Rick? No. All right, let's go with Heath Miller, my guy. 2005 first round pick of the Steelers out of UVA. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spillman. Today, it's Tuesday, Rick, which means it's time for our favorite segment, Pop or Drop, where we highlight some of the top performances from last week's college games. And there's also the old Pop or Drop Pro Edition, which is a fancy way of saying we're ranking our top five NFL rookie performances as well, including C.J. Stroud, the only rookie quarterback who played this week. AR5 was injured. Bryce Young was injured. And old C.J. balled out against the Jaguars. He outplayed Trevor Lawrence, which is uh, not something you would expect to say this early in the process. By the way, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL and CBS, you can see the official with the first pick draft countdown clock. Rick, what we got? We have... 212, 212 days. What area code is that? 212 is New York City, I believe. Right. It's a big day today. We're New York City area code, a wet day away from the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah. What are the chances? Man, 212 days. The, the, the days are moving faster than the days feel like they should be moving. Anyway, if you missed it, last Thursday, Rick and I fired up the old mailbag. So you can check that out in the old podcast feed. And by the way, if we didn't get your question, don't worry about it. We'll get to an upcoming episode. So keep sending those things along. And this Thursday, because the draft never stops, <laughs> we're going to grade the top 10 picks of the 2023 draft class three weeks into their NFL careers. So look out for that. I think there's going to be a battle for number one, just off the cuff here. If you have the first overall pick, Rick, I, I, I suppose I know the answer, but I think it's down to Jalen Carter and CJ Stroud at this point. Yeah, very good. Yeah, no, I would say those two, although... Uh... As some of these rookies get going, uh, you know, like Sam Laporta probably could have been up a little higher. And then uh, A-Chain went off the chain. Isn't there it that? is. There it is, Devo. <laughs> <laughs> well, How about this? <laughs> Does Bijan go higher than eight? Bijan, uh, we, we had to go back and look at uh, the team that maybe have needed him, but uh, he's right up there too. I think those CJ right now, the way he's been playing and mm-hmm. uh, Carter and uh, Bijan would probably be the top three picks. Yeah. Laporta is absolutely balling out too. second round pick. Just to um, be clear. Yeah. Thank you for go ahead and clarify. I'll clarify. Cause I'm, I'm so excited about this. Cause it's never clear when we do these things. You're yeah. Okay. Producer wants it. <laughs> it's, go. it's way too early to do like a redraft. I don't know who would do that. But we're going to try to assign some letter grades to the top 10 picks. At some point during the season, once we get a little bit more of a sample size, we'll go through the redraft process. But Thursday's show will be more about 
evaluating in a vacuum um, with letter grades, top 10 picks. Yeah, so no Sam Laporta, although we'll probably talk about him. Yeah, well, isn't it like he's uh, – Debo's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. All of a sudden, this voice comes from behind the curtain and tells us what we're going to do. It's incredible. I think he wears that little Wizard of Oz green outfit, too. You don't know that, but uh, a little fancy outfit, the little little guy. Yeah, with the little in the back there as he's pushing all the buttons. Going <laughs> yeah, the levers, yeah. By the way, we are definitely dating ourselves talking about the Wizard. Debo, have you ever seen the Wizard of Oz? Yeah, you're talking about a movie that came out in 1939. So Actually, that's, you did it, Debo, but uh, man, that, you know, that was good. You got to watch the original version with Judy Garland. Judy yeah. Garland, that's right. All right, that's enough. People are furiously turning this thing off. All right, let's go. Remember, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate them on the draft show here. And we're going to do one of those guys today, so hang around and see who that might be. The Wizard yeah, of Oz. so pretty. <laughs> what year does that say, Rick? <laughs> 1939, Rick got called out on the movie that he loves so much by a guy who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Yes, my little pretty. <laughs> that was a Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, she was nasty, for sure. The flying monkeys kept me up for days after I saw that. <laughs> they cut him up. That's a new one, too. Take note of all these Midwestern sayings, Debo. And we'll put it, get to put them on the, the T-shirts in the merch store once we get the merch store <laughs> up and going. All right. And if you don't mind, take a second to do a thumbs up. On the YouTube, if you're watching us now, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I will podcast or Spotify. All right, Rick, let's get to it. Popper drop time. I need to send out the updates. I update the, the popper drop list every week with the players we talk about, but I haven't sent you the updates. But every week we've talked about Shadur Sanders. Every week we, he's been a pop. This week I have some concerns <laughs> about whether he popped. Now, I will preface it. I don't want to make excuses for him or Colorado or Coach Prime. But the offensive line and the defensive line got absolutely manhandled in that game by Oregon, and it wasn't close from the first snap until the last snap. It was 41 to nothing at some point, I believe. I think they finally scored a touchdown there. Shador threw a touchdown at the end. Um, My first note, Shador spent much of the afternoon running for his life. He was sacked seven times. Offensive line overwhelmed start to finish. It looked like Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, who's going to be a pretty popular name, the former Kent State coach, Tried to lean on the the quick game early on and had very little success of that. And then once they got down and they tried to push the ball down the field, that was a wrap. I don't know what you take away from this if you're Shadur Sanders trying to evaluate him. He didn't turn the ball over. I don't even think he had any turnover-worthy plays. He had one interception, I think. We'll we'll double-check. But what was your takeaway from that game based on the three previous games we saw where – he showed us a lot in terms of potential NFL quarterback. Well, the takeaway was one positive thing is that I thought because he was running for his life for the first three quarters that he actually made more plays with his legs. Okay. A little bit more athleticism. Um, But it's hard to evaluate him off this based off of, you know, he never had a chance. I mean, that first quarter, I mean, until they called the dogs off, in the fourth quarter is when he threw the the the, the uh, touchdown pass, and uh, but it was just and just to be frank with you, watching those two teams play that day, and I'm not saying all season, it was like the men versus the boys. And no, that's right. By the way, just so we're clear, no interception for Shador. Debo, double check. He did have no interceptions, but he he never had a chance, you know. So. It's hard to say that it was on him, but 
they got to do a better job of, you know, getting the ball out of his hands. I think they started to try to move him a little bit to see if he can throw on the run, but they're going to have to come up with some creative schemes because of the lack of talent they have right now on, on the offensive line. Um, just to throw a name out of the air because he's sort of struggling right now, Zach Wilson thrust into that job because Aaron Rodgers got hurt, young quarterback. I will say this about Shador, and it's hard to figure out what to make of that game against Oregon, but it didn't feel like he ever gave up or quit or just got into his feelings. It felt like he competed every single play. Did you get that sense? Yeah, I know. I got that sense um, that he's competitive. We've seen that in every week, week in and week out. So he's competitive. Uh, he'll go out there and give it his all. I thought because he got hit so much or was pressured so much, his accuracy wasn't where it was. A couple of times receivers dropped balls they shouldn't have caught or they should have caught. So it was just uh, as, as uh, I think uh, Coach Prime said, it was just a, a hot mess garbage or hot garbage. Whatever. Hot garbage. Yeah. So let's say we don't know what Shearer's going to do, whether he's going to come out or not, but whenever he does decide to come out and he's at the combine and you're the general manager and you bring this game up to him, what questions are you asking him to see how he responds? Well, I just want to see more like what he thought and what he was seeing and why they struggled so much. Is he going to take some of the blame or is he going to blame it on his teammates? Is he going to blame it on the coaches, on the scheme, on the personnel? Uh, yeah. Just everybody, it's like I said, it was just two different levels of talent on the field for whatever reason that day. And so that'd be interesting to see how can you play so well against TCU in the opener but yet have this type of game. And everybody has off games. Every team's not on point every week. Uh, but this was something that was kind of a uh, reality check, I guess. Yeah. And so now they got USC. Uh, and for a Pac-12 conference that's dissolving, there's some pretty good uh, play going on in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, and we actually heard the Washington State coach sort of call people out about that after their – Big win over Oregon State. I want to ask you one more thing before we move on here and continue through some of these Oregon guys who were crushing it. So Dan Lanning, the the young head coach for Oregon, some of the pregame comments were, were aired during the game, and he gave an impassioned speech to his kids, and that's fine. That happens. But one of the things that sort of people latched on to is basically that Colorado's playing for clicks, we're playing for wins, and that's what got people fired up. Coach Prime said he's keeping the receipts, but he also admitted they got their asses handed to him. Right. And I mentioned this last week. Is it the case that everyone has now a target on Colorado because of all the hoopla surrounding them, fair or unfair? And that maybe has something to do with the way these things are unfolding? Yeah, I don't think it's the hoopla. I think it's just the whole idea of the way Prime thought that he would go change a program. And that's his way of it, you know, getting rid of everybody and then bringing in all these transfer portal guys and we can build a team and be competitive in one year others you know the recruiting and developing and things like that so prime and you got to give him credit he's going against everything that i don't know if you want to call maybe the traditional way yep of building a program well he did the exact opposite but that's why he's prime and that's why he can pull some of this off where i don't think a lot of the other people could do that um but since it's different i think then people they that puts a I don't say a target on your back or does that put you up there on people? Okay. Want to knock you down now because you're doing something totally different than anyone else has ever done. 
in the NCAA. But the whole college football, uh, to me, uh, scene is changing because I think eventually with the transfer portal and with the NILs and everything, eventually it's going to turn into two, two, two divisions. It's almost going to be like a NFL-type model, I believe, four or five years down the road. At least it's leaning or heading that way. Right. All right, let's go to the other side and talk about these Oregon guys because these dudes were – it was. It felt like their Super Bowl and they went absolutely crazy. We'll start with Bo Nix, the other quarterback. Oh, I guess I should ask quickly. Should or Sanders still your quarterback three? Uh, no. Oh, boy. Do you want to tell us who it is? Do you want to save that for later? Uh, I'm going to save that. I just okay. think every week it's changing. Yep. Um, and then we'll, you know, a teaser. There's a young man out at Washington State that I'm kind of excited to talk about. The first time I actually uh, evaluated him. And how many quarterbacks are actually, and I think this is a very deep quarterback class. There may be the top two, but after that, there's going to be someone that ends up being the next Jalen Hurts, someone that ends up being the next Russell Wilson, because I think there's enough depth in this quarterback class and maybe you disagree um, oh no, my gosh there's good every time i put on a quarterback <laughs> this guy may have a chance and made, your, I, made your voice crack you're so excited <laughs> so it's going to be a fun pre-draft process trying to decipher through all these guys and it'll be interesting to see how teams eventually have all these quarterbacks stacked because it's going to be different for every club yeah, we don't know if Shadur's coming out or not. There's some no, rumors. But if he's not, he should come back for another year, I believe. Cause yeah, because that team will probably be a lot better, which is you know, yeah, certainly I, I, interesting. Yeah, I, I would. And it seems like the quarterbacks that usually stay are the ones that are more prepared when they come into the league. And he's only had one year at this level. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, you know, you can add that same argument on Anthony Richardson, but Anthony Richardson's such a unique athlete. Now, he's still got a lot of holes and a ways to go to be a true quarterback, but because of his unique athletic skills, that's why he's standing out in some of these games. Yeah. And as you mentioned last week, Shooter comes back, he could end up being QB1 if that's the path he decides to go down. By the way, Debo mentioned uh, that he was listening to the Cover 3, our, our college football podcast, which you should check out if you love college football because those guys crush it. Chip Patterson, uh, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and, and Bud Elliott. Bud Elliott, by the way, who doesn't say anything without a lot of thought and much consternation, has Spencer Rattler as his QB3. Ooh, that's what I mean. There would be a lot of... Spencer's dealing. Yeah. Yeah, he played good again this week. Uh, yes, he did. So... I feel like, and we'll have to go back and look, but just anecdotally, I feel like we could have more quarterbacks go in the top 100 than we have in a long time. Yes, I agree with that. All right. Speaking it's of a guy that go, but you're talking about, and I'm just, I don't, I didn't count in my head, but I bet you seven that are three through, you know, 10. Yep. Got your two, and then you got seven more that are going to be jockeying for position as we go. And by the way, we might just have one and a half because number two needs to start get his head out of his butt and start playing a little better. Okay, maybe you should uh, send him a note and tell him to get going. I said butt instead of the other word because he's a nice young man, so I didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to hurt his feelings. Uh, you just mentioned coming back to school. A lot of times, those quarterbacks benefit from that as they continue their career. That brings us to Bo Nix. Yes. Who came back. There was some day two-ish talk about him last year around this time. He decided to return to uh, Oregon after transferring from, from Auburn. And he, again, every time I watch him, I forget that he's actually a really good athlete. 
and he can win with his legs. You can build a running game around him if you want. He's not Jalen Hurts, but he's certainly athletic enough, has a good arm. He can make these off-platform throws, uh, especially in the quick game, and he throws it accurately, which is an important part of the quick game because you want to give your target a chance to, to get those yards after the catch. Uh, showed great touch on a 15-yard end zone fade for a touchdown early in that game when the game was relatively close against Colorado. I've said it before, and I, I would like to see him layer the ball a little better to the second level. Sometimes the ball comes out a little too flat for me. Um, but again, it's hard to figure out exactly whether you're a first-round pick or a seventh-round pick when your team plays the way they did and Colorado doesn't really show up. But I watched them earlier. The Texas Tech game I liked a lot there. They're coming from behind when down let me, there. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What do you think he has improved on the most? Because we both watched him last year, and just in case he did come out, what – made him or what do you see on why he took the next step and why you think he's definitely a Friday prospect and who knows where it ends up by the end of the season? Yeah, actually, I think he took his biggest leap when he transferred from Auburn, got out of that program and whatever the concerns were there to Oregon. I thought he looked pretty good last year, but I thought he's making better decisions. And still, look, here's the other thing. He'll have one or two turnover worthy plays a game that, you know, you might say, well, it's 40 to nothing. Who cares? Well, that's not the point. The point is you don't want to make stupid decisions or get in the habit of making stupid decisions instead of scrambling to your right and throwing the ball back into the middle of the field. Just sort out of bounds. Like, I would like to see less of that. And I think those little things are the distinction between, um, you know, going in the fifth round and never playing or going in the third round to get an opportunity if someone gets hurt or whatever. But I, I think he's throwing a little more accurately. Uh, I think he's making better decisions in general. And I do like his athleticism. And it helps to be in that offense. So. All those things taken together. Is that offense a hindrance or is it a benefit because of he's playing so well in that scheme? Well, I think it was a hindrance when Mario Cristobal was there for Justin Herbert. And I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, they clearly didn't unlock everything he was able to do. But I feel like this offense, which does have a good balance of run, and we'll talk about one of these running backs in a second. They had they have three or four guys they just rotate in and out of there. Um, I felt like it was a good balance of run and allowing Bo to do the things he does well. I and mean, that's not necessarily pushing the ball down the field consistently. I mean, he's ripping these 15-yard outs to one of the wide receivers we'll talk about in a second. But those those guys, those guys are running wide ass open on Saturday. So what can you take away from that? I don't know if you can take a lot away from that. But I did like the fact that he was really good in the quick game. He was really athletic. And um, the decision-making seems to be better. We'll see if that continues. Did you get a chance to watch Bo, or are you just going on my scouting report? No, I'm lo- kind of looking at your scouting report. All right. So did you watch the Texas Tech game? The boat next one early in the season. Yeah, I watched the early the the first game. Or is that was that their first game? I think so. It was a come from behind win there. You you didn't love Bo at the time, if I recall correctly. Yeah, no, I, I just had some hesitation, a little bit on the decisions and some of the you know he's way the biggest jump he made from Auburn to what I've seen the last two years in Oregon is that it feels like he has a sense on how to play the position where it doesn't look forced, it doesn't look um, mechanical. Right. I don't know what, it, it doesn't look painful to watch. Um, <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, that's a good start. Yeah, but now he's actually exciting to watch, and it's exciting to see, since he's jumped to Oregon, the progress that he has made. I still think he's a little stid- Stidham to me, Josh Stidham. Yeah, Jared. Uh, also, or Jared Stidham, who also came out of Auburn, but – uh, he reminded me watching Stidham in the preseason. Uh, he reminds me a little of him. By the way, he did uh, throw Bo did one interception 
276 total yards, three touchdowns, that one interception. He did run for another touchdown. And the interception was, again, he just didn't lay the ball over the linebacker in the flat trying to throw a little turkey hole shot there against cover two. And that's a that's an easy fix. It wasn't like he didn't see the linebacker. He just made a, a flat throw. Just throw up a little more air underneath, and I think you're fine. It wasn't a processing issue or whatever word of the day we like to use. All right. So Bo Nix, I have him still as a day two guy. I feel pretty good about that. Again, he's going to be in the bunch. I don't think he's going to – I don't want to say he won't, but him being QB3 would be a huge leap from as we sit here. But I think he's going to be in the mix. And, you know, he's a guy that feels like can come in, ton of experience, can help a team if you need him. Next yeah. up. Go ahead. Did you want any parting words on – No. No. <laughs> Absolutely on, not. We'll be on this podcast for three hours if you don't – get through these guys that you watched. I know you get so you get so ornery when you don't watch them at the same time. All right, fair enough. All right. Jordan Birch. He's listed at 6'4, 291, 485 ish unofficially. Oh boy, this guy is long. He is thick. He is twitchy. Like line him up like line him up a lot at like seven and nine technique. They put him out there and just let him get after it. Strong at the point. He's moving walking uh Defensive ta- excuse me, offensive tackles back into the lap of the of the quarterback. Uh, he can win with a bull rush. Uh, he did have a sack on Shador. I don't know if that's something you should brag about in that game because I think everyone on the defense had a, had a sack in that game. Uh, incredibly strong speed rush. He can win with uh, heavy hands. Yada yada yada. Uh, he's a guy that I think is gonna gonna be someone we're gonna be talking about a lot. I think he's probably a day two guy. Uh, I think he's pretty young. I have to check his age, but I think he's like 21-ish. And uh, I was impressed. But again, let me ask you this. My comp for him, and you have no point of reference because you haven't seen him, so you can take it for what, it worth, what it's worth knowing how good my comps are. Felt like I was seeing a little bit of Drake Jackson out of USC. Wow, that's a pretty good – that's pretty high praise. Just being that big and that athletic and that strong. And I remember Drake Jackson, and you may feel differently, but I was talking to Scott about him at the time. I didn't love his tape out of USC. I do like Jordan Burch's after, after this one game. But what I but what it was explained to me, sort of like sort of like Lucas Van Ness and even Tuli Tupelotu, who we'll talk about later today. You can't coach that size and that speed. You can work on the other stuff. Yes. The same thing what we did with Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, exactly. Right. Who who has unique size and athleticism. And the coaches at the collegiate level only have X amount of time to work with these guys, whether it's the 20 hour work week rule or whatever they have. So they're not going to get as much time to spend on the technical part of the game because they're trying to get their game plans in and everything else. They work on individual drills, but usually because the NFL has longer periods with these players to develop them and to uh, hone in on technical things, um, that's why you see these guys make a jump when they get to the NFL level, if they have that type of athletic trait. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see what you think of Jordan Burks when you get around to him. Uh, one of the two of the guys in the defense, I'll mention together so we can get through these guys pretty quickly. Kyrie Williams, Alabama transfer cornerback. I don't know if he was ever on your radar at any point. 6'3", 195. Says he's a four five four guy. And I, I do have some questions about his his deep speed because it looks like he's a little stiff at times in terms of running with, with wide receivers. And then at other times during this game, he was in phase the whole entire route, and he was in position for, for PBUs, and he had a couple – Almost had an interception, and um, I, I I'm curious about the deep sea. So I don't see what that looks like as we go through the season. But a long corner had a great game, and I was really impressed with the way he played. And then I'll mention Evan Williams. Might be one of my favorite players now. He is the 
off-ball linebacker, excuse me, safety, number 33 for um, Oregon. And that guy was flying all over the field. A lot of times what happens when you're watching on the TV version, you see guys just come out of nowhere and start crushing people. And after two or three times, I'll make a note. So I went back and watched him, and he's listed as a 4'6 guy. He plays – he looked like he was 4'4 guy. And in, in fact, in my notes, and you can – him and Hod this, and Debo can join in if he wants. I thought he was a bigger version of Sidney Brown. He actually played pretty well last night. I think he had a PBU in the end zone for for the Eagles. So I want to continue to watch more of Evan Williams, but I was impressed with um, the way he played as well, just in terms of flying around the ball, making tackles. He was a little reckless coming downhill a few times where he didn't sort of get himself under control, and he missed the tackle on a running back near the line of scrimmage. But by and large, I thought he did a lot of good things well uh, against Colorado. What was the point I made to you last year about long DBs that have a wingspan of 78 plus inches. Oh gosh. They're extremely successful in the NFL. I don't know what their 40 times were, but they were extremely successful having those wingspans. Because what do they do? Uh they don't need to run 4-3 because their uh, arms make up for it. What do you mean what do they do? What do you mean their arms make up for it? Where they run on all fours? No, they're inspector gadget arms. They can go, you know, you can stick your arm out 40 they, yards and people Will you tell him to pay attention when I'm teaching on this podcast? What was the answer to the test? The member, even though they don't run as fast, and you're you're kind of going down the right track, but usually guys that have, I believe, 78-plus wingspan when you measure from fingertip to fingertip, yeah, usually are in the top five in the NFL and PBUs. Yeah, okay. And, and say that. You're trying to skim me around because you were scrambling for the answer. Yeah, I couldn't remember the top five in the NFL part. But it, your point was also they don't have to run four fours. No, because of the length. Yeah. And it's harder to get the ball over them. All right. So Kyrie Williams, I want to see what you think about him. And Evan Williams, the 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 safety who sort of lines up everywhere. Slot, deep half, single high, yada, yada, yada. Two good games by those guys. And then finally on the other side, I'll talk about uh, – go back to the offense, talk quickly about Bucky Irving, who was number zero. And like I mentioned, they have about 15 guys. They, they shuttle in and out of there to play running back. Um. Played running back, lined up outside, ran a couple of Wildcats. He's a kick returner. Um, hasn't returned kicks this year, but he did last year for Oregon, and he transferred from Minnesota. And uh, he is a twitched-up little dude that can hit the hole pretty hard. Now, we'll talk about Devon A-Chain in a moment. He ain't Devon A-Chain, but he's not afraid to run between the tackles. And again, like A-Chain on Sunday, there weren't many people putting hands on Irvin as he was running through the first, second, and third levels. But it was fun to watch just to see him twitched up. And then Tony Franklin, the 6'2 wide receiver, uh, lined up primarily outside, occasionally in the slot. Big target. He just kept making plays. I, I will give Bo Nix credit. And tell me what you think of this. When a quarterback trusts his wide receiver, and you've certainly seen this with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and it's one-on-one, you want them to throw the ball up on the outside and just let your receiver make a play, right? Yeah, you want the quarterback to be able to put the ball in place where the receiver uh, can go up and, and make a play on it. Now the receiver gets paid for making those contested catches. And uh, as the old saying, and we said this a few times, there's two dogs and one bone, which dog's getting the bone. But the quarterback has to have the accuracy to put it in a position to give the receiver a chance to go up and make a play. Yeah, and um, uh, Troy uh, against Colorado, he won consistently uh, on these go routes, and they didn't have any answers. Now, look, Travis Hunter was not there. Things may have been differently, and that would have been a fun matchup to watch. But I'm just going on what I saw, and that was a really good good game for him. And and I want to see how this plays out for him because 
based on just this one game, he feels like he's going to be, you know, a top 100 guy, but, but we'll find out together as we get through this season there. All right. Those are my Oregon scouting reports. Oh God, you put eight Oregon guys in the first round. I told, yeah, I told Debo that I was watching the game, kept getting excited. Uh, I guess it's in the same way if you're watching the the Dolphins, you love every player on that team after one game, but the reality is that we'll have to wait and see how this thing pans out. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Rick is going to talk about some Ohio State dudes that he likes, and uh, I don't think it'll be a 50-person list like mine was, but it, it'll be some guys. that people, but I'm going to be more time-conscious of this podcast and not taking away you want to talk 45 minutes on the show, but I will uh, be very efficient at describing some of these guys coming up and and uh, the game they had, which was a big game against Notre Dame. Big game, big game. All right, Debo, efficiency coming up after this. All right. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Rick, you have your Paramount Plus lined up so you can watch Messi play this Wednesday at 7 p.m. in the U.S. Cup Final. Don't miss it. Debo, when it's the finale, I mean, I have to wait a whole year for the Lioness for season two. Oh, God. <laughs> Likely. <laughs> that's how that's how uh, seasons work. It's not I literally season all the winter. Still, still no, I, have, I have some great suggestions for you on Paramount Plus. You can get more into the the Yellowstone oh, yes. franchise with 1883, 1923. I know you watched a little Tulsa King with Sly Stallone. My recommendation to you, Rick, give me a little report on Thursday. Mayor of Kingstown. Oh. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. I think I did see a couple episodes of that. Is that the guy that uh, helps the guys in prison? Yeah, a little prison drama. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. So you get plenty of options. Right? Just the lioness. The lioness is the uh, king. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Maybe you'll get to meet Zoe Saldana one day. Hey, let me ask you this quickly. Did you ever have an occasion where someone like Taylor Swift showed up at the game and it was complete and utter mayhem? No. Um, we had celebrities come all the time. It's not like when Josh Dumeral came or something like that. It wasn't the same as I don't put him in the same category as the Taylor Swifts of the world. Did Prince ever come to a game and sit up there like that? Yeah, but yeah, but Prince, everybody knew Prince in Minnesota because he, right. he lived right there. You yeah. know, he was pretty uh, secluded uh, right. his life. Um, but he came and then we, the, most of the time we had the kind of celeb show up when you uh, when you were in the, the playoffs and things like that. But none of our players, I would ever recall dating some famous <laughs> actress, you know. What sort of box would Prince be in? Like, how how would you get communication that he was going to come, and and how would he get situated? Well, Debo, those are things that are probably just are kept within the NFL community. I don't know if it's really going to help you as you <laughs> continue. Is that top secret information? 
Yeah, no, it's it's security. It's how you get them in and out of the building. It's where they sit. It's all. Does that come across your te- your desk or someone else handles no, that? No, I have no. It's usually on the business side, the oh, okay. sales side, things like that. I honestly, I just go down there and shake hands with people. Yeah, you don't even know who you're talking to half the time. No, no. <laughs> Who's this guy again? Prince. Does he have a last name? No. You know Prince. <laughs> I know Prince. Do you know and any Taylor Swift songs? He went by a symbol for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that reminds me, uh, Debo. We need to get a symbol for Rick. I wonder what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think about that, Rick. Come back. I got a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot of gestures. I wonder if those are symbols. And, yeah. uh, Debo, said he, Debo says he has a few ideas. You're, you're lucky I'm like the Wizard of Oz off camera right now. Yeah, he's back there behind the curtain giving you the finger. <laughs> All right, Rick, let's go to South Bend. Where what a game, except for the fact that the Fighting Irish had 10 guys on the field for the last two plays. Otherwise, it was a really fun football game to watch. But you're going to talk about some of these Ohio State dudes who got your attention. Where do you want to go first? Yeah, no, it, that game was probably the most physical game I think I've seen in college in a long time. And there are real dudes playing on both sides of the mm-hmm. ball, like to watch Alt against uh, TJ uh, and uh, maybe if Jack Sawyer comes out. They have some, you know, Ohio State has two defensive tackles that people are going to look at. They have a linebacker. They have a corner. They have a Nick corner. They have a safety. They got NFL prospects at all levels of that field. So it was fun to watch that. Uh, And then it was fun to watch their offensive side. They got, you know, I looked at three running backs already at Ohio State. They got some offensive linemen to look at. They got a tight end. Uh, And they also have two, maybe the top, receivers in coming up in next year's draft. So I've heard of them. Yeah. So, but as you <laughs> progress through your homework, since you only did Oregon apparently this week and no, well, other- I did 25 Oregon guys. I'm, I'm exhausted. Oh my God. So then 20 of them are going in the first round, according to your mm-hmm. analysts, you know, it. a couple guys that stuck out to me, Amika, Abuka. I've been kind of on his uh, bandwagon uh, since the summer. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, he is a big, long, athletic slot receiver. Uh, catches, body catches some, but, you know, he is quick after the catch to get it up. Made two critical catches during down that final drive. Made that catch right at the goal line, near the goal line. Uh, when the last seconds of the game, they gave Ohio State the opportunity to go on and win that game. Uh, he does a dirty work. Uh, when the ball is not in his hands by blocking and things like that. So I thought he just helped himself even more. And I think it's going to be, we talk about the race for the number three quarterback at this point, there's going to be a race for the number two receiver behind Mm -hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. And uh, whether that's neighbors down at LSU, whether that's your guy uh, Coleman uh, at Florida State. Had a good game against Clemson. Yeah. Uh, so there is a ton of really good receivers. that are going to be coming out in this year's draft class as well, from what I've seen to date. So, by the way, uh, Jalen McMillan and, and Rome Adunze, their legs might fall off at this rate. They might not be able to get drafted. They're burning so many miles catching passes from Michael Penix, but those are other two other wide receivers that can be in the mix too. Yeah. And they're in shape. You can say that <laughs> they're definitely in shape. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Amika Buka, he certainly flashed uh, against, and then, yeah, Travion Henderson, the runner. Yeah. Last year I did him. I wasn't 
overly enthusiastic about him. You can see some flashes, but I know he played hurt last year. He had a foot injury, never looked healthy through the whole season, actually missed some times. When you look back at 21, you know, he had a really good freshman year. He was going to be the next great running back to come out of Ohio State. Now you're starting to see what you saw in 21 this year. Uh, he is a thickly built, well-rounded athlete for the position. Excellent inline vision. What you didn't see last year and what was on display in the Notre Dame game was his speed. And when he took off on that 61-yarder for the touchdown, you can see that he has the speed that he once had because he's fully healthy now. And they rotate him in with two other backs, but he's tough and he'll step up in pass protection. Even though they're not utilized a lot in the passing game, he can catch the ball. So this kid's trying to make a statement. I don't think any running back that I've seen to date is a first-round running back. There's no one in the B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs category, but there's going to be a solid group of running backs like there is every year, and there was a really good group last year. Uh, they're going to be in that Friday category, and I think he's going to be in the mix as one of those guys uh, if he decides to come out. Let me ask you about Travion Henderson before we move on quickly, because you mentioned day two feels like a real possibility. Where would you compare him to former Ohio State dude J.K. Dobbins, who went in day I two? I used that as a comparison. Oh, you did? So, yeah. J.K. So, feels a little faster or no? attention to the facts I give no. you about the arms, this arms band. You don't pay attention to my comparisons. So he reminds his style. He's faster than, but reminds me a little bit of J.K. Dobbins. And Who's faster? Oh, Henderson's faster. Oh, that. he is? Yes. J.K., I thought, had a little juice, no? Yeah, he does, but this kid, okay. you see it open up. And, you you know, uh, Notre Dame has some guys that are going to play in the NFL on the defensive side. Yeah. One came, came close to him when he got out in that open field. Okay. Now, that's why I was asking, because J.K. went in the second round with that group of guys with Jonathan Taylor yeah. and the Cam Akers, I believe, was in that group. So that's why. So you like Trevion as around that range? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the reason I say, because Dobbins has really good vision and they're not long striders or kind of short striders, which means they keep their weight underneath them. So yeah. they can make quick cuts and the vision and things. Uh, and usually those running backs that are short strider type guys uh, end up having a lot of success. Gotcha. Okay. That's why I asked. And look, I'll be honest. I can bar barely remember my kids' names. I'm watching so many, so many of these football players. So, I didn't have your comps written down, so that's why I forgot it. Apparently, they're not important to you. They're I put very... a lot of time and energy into that. I would hope you would like, pay attention to my work. Since right. I'm here to support you, I'm like your uh, apprentice. So I thought you were going to say therapy dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Debo will be issuing you a uh, I'm sorry card. He's been that's he's tasked with doing that. He sends out about 15 of those a day on my behalf. All right. Anyone else uh, that flashed for yeah, you? Funny, we got to talk about Marvin Harrison, you know, and who's going to be top five pick. You know, he's getting targeted, although the production isn't there yet. I know we kind of got on him a little bit a few weeks ago after that Indiana game. Um, but the one play that won the game for Ohio State, it wasn't a highlight reel catch. It wasn't something production-wise or spectacular to, that stood out. It was his effort to block outside that sprung Henderson. And he got his ankle rolled up that play. That one play, that's right. But 
of all the stuff that he does, doing that showed me that he's willing to do the dirty work. And because he gave the effort to block that guy, that probably won the game for Ohio State or was one of the reasons why Ohio State won because not of what Marvin Harrison did in a re- as a receiver, but what he did as a blocker. Three catches, 32 yards, whereas Abuka had seven catches, 96 yards. So right. the little things that don't show up necessarily in the stat sheet. And one of the things that I appreciated about Marvin Harrison, in addition to the block that you just talked about, is that when he got rolled up, anyone who's played sports has turned their ankle. And when you turn your ankle like that, number one, it's going to swell immediately. And number two, you're probably done for the day. He went to the tent. They taped him up. And not only was he back out there running routes, but he actually looked pretty explosive for someone who would just roll their ankle up like that. Yeah, and that tells you that he is uh, not only the passion for the game, but a the mental approach, which we maybe got on, like I said, in that Indiana game, just yes. erased all that. He is a true pro's pro. All right. I, for some reason, I, I lost my mind, and you can get on me about it, but I'm assuming we're both drop-drop on Shador? Yes. Okay. And since we didn't um, watch both the Oregon and Ohio State guys, we'll, we'll just – leave them as is, but I just, so for history's sake, when I go back and update the the spreadsheet there. All right. Great win for Ohio state. Did you have any issue with uh, Ryan day calling out people who thought that the uh, Ohio state was soft after the game? I thought it was sort of funny. Yeah. You know what? It's like what prime does. I mean, how many, whether you like it or not, whether you're a traditionalist or a new person, it just brings so much attention to the game. And yeah. I mean, would anyone even be talking about Colorado last year like they are right now? And I know the big game, but even going into that game, you know, Prime's coming into town and they couldn't draw 10,000 people at their home games last year. Spring game, they had it sold out completely. Yeah. <laughs> now you so, got Snoop Dogg on the sidelines. Yeah. So it's just, I think it's great whether it's, if you think it's negative or positive, from a uh, attention standpoint, but it's bringing attention to the game. And it's why the game is so popular. That's why that atmosphere, talking to some people that were at that game at Ohio State and Notre Dame, they said you couldn't hear. The atmosphere in that stadium was as electric as any game they've ever played in. I think it's great. Both Prime and Ryan Day examples are great. No one's, you know, if your feelings are hurt, that's the one thing. I don't care. As long as no one's getting hurt, who cares what you say? And look, Ryan Day and Dan Lanning and um, the Washington State coach, they're defending their kids, and I fully support that as well. Coach Prime as well, so I love it. All right. Does that mean, like, you don't care when you hurt my feelings on a show all the time? That I do care about. <laughs> I was going to ask you that question, for being honest. <laughs> I can't I tell you how many. Just so you know. <laughs> What'd you say? I don't care. Oh, okay. I do care. I'm very sensitive. Okay. I'm fine. <laughs> you don't care about that either. All right. Now. I'm going to do a little, take a little break here and talk about one of the players that was nominated on the five-star review, not a five-star player, but on the five-star review. Uh, quickly, I'll, I'll tell you this story. My uh, my nephew is 17. He's a junior or senior in high school, senior in high school, and he plays at a small private school in North Carolina, and I think they're fine. They're not a, super competitive. They're not, they're not going to do anything against the Minnesota high school teams that your sons were part of, um, but my brother-in-law sent me a text yesterday and said this is who drew has to face and it's a four-star recruit that plays quarterback that has offers from michigan and alabama and you went to a pretty big high school obviously rick but i went to a small high school and when one of those guys comes in it's like almost like coach prime coming to town so he plays cornerback my my uh 
nephew does as well. So he he might be in for a taste of what uh, big time college football what that looks like because a four star coming into a small private school, that's a recipe for a uh, seventy to twenty burger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw that this weekend, but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was interesting because you sort of forget when you talk about all these four and five star guys. Um, you forget that there's a, another group of people that don't get to see them in person unless they're unfortunately on the other side of that. So I'll, I'll check in next like week. Training camp when I went against Kellen Winslow and exactly. I didn't ask him for his autograph or try to cover him. And then I figured I couldn't cover him. So maybe when I got cut, I can get an autograph or something. Did you ever talk to him later and tell him that story? No. Where did Kellen Winslow senior go to school? Do you know that one? No, I don't. Oh, all right. Think about it. All right. Anyway, we're going to Clemson. FSU game and uh, Muck Knoll asked us to evaluate Trey Benson, running back, Florida State. Only ran the ball seven times for 25 yards. Did have three catches for 50 yards, and he hasn't been used a lot as a receiver. That doesn't mean he can't catch. It might be just part of the offense, how they run things down there with uh, Coach Norvell. Uh, but I thought he made some pretty impressive catches. He had caught a back shoulder ball on a little rail route that was impressive. Showed good contact balance, ability to keep his feet and keep running through arm tackles. So I actually liked a lot of what we've seen from Trey Benson. We didn't talk about him over the summer, and some folks wanted us to. So we're talking about him now. I want to go back and watch some more of him just in terms of running back. But I, I like what I saw in terms of his versatility. Yeah, I, I watched I watched him uh, uh, through all his games uh, since that was my homework assignment while I was sitting in the airport at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, so, you, did you get stuck there? No, I had a. That's not too many flights coming back to uh, Fort Myers through it. All right, till late. But he is a big back. I was surprised um, with his vision, and he has a little bit quickness through the hole. He's a little bit more of a strider and weaver. We were just talking about Henderson, who is kind of that short stepper that can do this and this. He has vision, but he's going to kind of weave his way through. Uh, he runs through contact. He had some explosive plays. Versus LSU, he really popped out in that opener to me. Hmm. Um, and then Southern Miss, who doesn't have a lot of talent, at least it didn't look like in that game. He had a big game against there. When you watched him against Clemson, uh, he didn't have as many explosive runs. But some of the stuff he did in the passing game, which you didn't see in some of the other games, was pretty unique. So he's a big back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. The one play that I saw the back shoulder you were talking about, the one play that really stood out to me, I think it was a little screen pass where the guy went to tackle him. He kept his balance, actually rolled on top oh, of yeah. the guy, got his feet, and then took it off, off the field. That so, was Jeremiah Trotter Jr., by the way, that tackle, tackled him. Didn't get him to the ground, though. Yeah, didn't get him to the ground, and he didn't touch it. His body part didn't touch the ground, and he got up and, and went going. But I was impressed uh, with him. I don't know how fast he's going to be. Yeah, that may be a concern, but I loved his vision, his size, his ability to catch the ball. Uh, but he's more of a weaver than he is a quick, dirty type running back. So based on what you've seen, because you've seen all, all his games this fall so far, is he uh, sneaking to day two? Is he one of those day three, early day three grouping guys? I think he'll be borderline day two, day three. Okay. So, all right. Um, you know, and a lot of times when you're evaluating these running backs and you can see the play speed, but they may go into day three if they don't run a fast 40, even though they play faster. Right. That on, uh, And we talked about play speed versus time speed. I think his play speed may be faster than witty times. Yep. And that we have to keep reminding ourselves, or at least I do, about Brian Branch because 
four five eight. He is not, even though that's what the watch said. All right, let's get through these two quarterbacks uh, relatively quickly because, as you mentioned, I spent four hours on Oregon because I was so excited about those guys. But let's go to Washington State, Oregon State, and I'll let you decide which quarterback you want to start with the the goodish or the less than goodish. I'll just put it that way because that game was fun. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's save the uh, best for last. All right, DJ Uyungagale. Uyunglele. He transferred from Clemson. He's actually from out west. I believe he's a five-star coming out. 17 to 34, 198 yards, touchdown, did throw an interception, and ran for 61 yards on nine carries. Okay. You're I went out of the box thinking on this one. Because um, as you know, when we I watch things, I'm kind of going through the Rolodex, what this guy reminds me of. Uh, and he does have arm talent. Yep. A couple nice throws, but he's so inconsistent. Oh, it's boy. almost I don't want to say painful. It's just like it's aggravating for me. It yeah. It's just like he doesn't have a real natural feel for the position. Now he has the arm talent. Uh I think he has some athleticism for I his agree. size. Yep. That he can make plays uh with his legs. He just doesn't have that natural feel or savvy for the position. I thought I saw that at Clemson because I watched him uh a couple last year at Clemson and he ended up getting benched. So you're ready for this? I'm thinking of big quarterbacks because I think he's almost 6'4", about 245, 250. What type of quarterbacks have I seen through my career that end up moving to a different position? So I'm going to go all the way back to Virginia Tech when I remember watching Logan Thomas. Oh, Logan Thompson. Thomas, yeah. Uh, and when he had some similar traits. Yeah, that's a good call. Look at you. That's a really good call. But that the, they ended up moving him to linebacker, and then there was one more that popped into my head. Uh, Frank Felipe, you remember yeah. he was at Florida, yeah, left I, I, to Arkansas. I wrote that stop, name down. Stop, stop. And uh, then kind of people looked at him uh, as a quarterback, but I think he's still on practice one somewhere. But developed became as potentially a tight end too. So when I watched this kid play, he reminded me of those guys a little bit from a quarterback standpoint. And does someone actually look at this kid? If he runs, I, I went back and looked. Uh, Logan Thomas was 6'6", 248, but he ran 4'6", Good Lord, he did. Uh, yeah, Franks was 6'6", 234. He didn't run at the combine, but he ran 4'5", at his pro day. So if this kid runs 4'6", 4'7"-ish, and with his size, if he's going to be in at 6'4", 250, or somewhere in that range, someone may look at the same type of projection as maybe a Logan Thomas or a Frank Philippe or a Felipe Franks. That is so funny because I was. That's not funny. I thought it was very good. I'm, no, funny that I was. Felipe Franks came to mind as I was watching him as well. I put I, one of the notes I made. He's just so robust. Wow, you're getting better. Or you get worse. That's the problem. But uh, I like the Logan Thomas one a lot. Felipe Franks, I certainly get because it's what came to my mind. He's still on the um, practice squad in Atlanta as a tight end. And robotic was what I wrote down for Uyunglele. And just it felt nothing felt natural. It felt like everything was forced. And it seems like he, you know, I like to use this phrase that I stole from 
scout the mission. He plays through a straw. Like he doesn't see the field very well. It feels like it feels like he's staring down receivers and doesn't pull the trigger on the on the read when it's there. And it's just very frustrating to watch because he you look at him. He's as you like to say the get off the bus guy. That's the guy you want getting off first to send a message. But then he gets on the field as a quarterback and just wasn't there. But um, is he draftable as a quarterback? I, w- I would say if someone's going to take a swing on him. Maybe late, but they may be swinging at him as a depending on if anyone works him out as a tight end during the pre-draft process, uh, or if, you know when when you interview these guys, that's one thing you're going to ask them. You know, we're thinking of maybe signing you as a college free agent, or maybe taking you with one of our 27th round picks, like I used to like to have. Although <laughs> people didn't agree with me on that sometimes. Um, what they call you? What was your nickname? Uh, they called me Trader Rick. And Trader then, Rick. Yeah, and that I would trade my mother for a separate. <laughs> yeah, hey, Ryan, I mean, the, uh, the, the bad news, I guess, for Rick's take, and this is the ESPN uh, college combine when he was in high school, certainly has probably gotten quicker in the past couple of years, but DJ ran a 5-1-5. Wow, he's got he's to run faster. He looks faster than that. Yeah. 5-1-5, that's a problem. Yeah, then that's a that's a then he's a not and that's not good. He's, a, he's an offensive tackle, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the highest rated quarterback recruits ever. He was like identical with Bryce Young in the same oh, class wow. in 2020. Interesting. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But that's the thing. Like you know, you go from seven on seven and just crushing it, and then once the the game starts, things sometimes turn out differently. All right, let's go to the other guy who is a ton of fun. Love Cam. Has some savvy. And some it factor to his game. So tell me about Cam Ward, because that dude will sling it, and he ain't afraid to take a hit. I think he holds the ball too long sometimes, but he he's fun. And we, I have to give credit to, and it's hard to do to Pete Prisco, who said that he liked him last year a little bit. He said, "Watch out for this kid from Washington State. He was a transfer from what is it, Incarnate? Incarnate Word. Word. You got Word. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I, and." I don't know if he, he it says six two two twenty. That's what his estimates are. Yeah, six one ish. I've seen as well. So somewhere around there. Yeah. So he'd be interested to see what he actually measures. But his release, I mean, he has to wind to throw it, but it's so quick. It's almost like watching a shortstop throw the ball. Uh, I'm trying to get you so you can relate to your days of playing baseball. I was a middle infielder and I was terrible, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll help you with some draft cons. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. He reminds me of uh, Steve Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> That's an old person baseball reference. Dodgers. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So, but uh, the, the arm talent, he can make all the throws at the next level. You see, I really try to measure the arm strength because the hashes in college are so much farther up. So when they're throwing opposite hashes and they can get the ball out there on time and on a rope, that's pretty good. Um, but I was surprised with his deep ball accuracy. We talked about quarterbacks being able to put the ball up um, and have the receivers have an opportunity to make a play. And this kid did that in this game. Uh, he made plays with his legs. He just seemed in control of the whole, the, the whole game. And that was a big game because Oregon state's having a really good year and Washington state. And, uh, he may not get the national recognition because he's at Washington state. Uh, but I think, uh, the more, if he continues to play like he has this season through the first three or four ball games, 
he's going to be uh, well recognized and uh, be in this process here with all these other seven quarterbacks on jockeying for a position in the draft. But I was very, I was pleasantly surprised and taken back a little bit how much I enjoyed watching his tape, especially this game. Yeah, I watched the Wisconsin game earlier, and he was a little more inconsistent in that game, but you still saw the flashes. And to your point, this dude is not afraid to to rip a, a field side deep, deep out and hit the receiver in the face. <laughs> like that is that is not easy. And we'll talk about CJ Stroud in a second. And CJ throws a ton of anticipation, and Cameron Ward does too. But CJ doesn't have this arm strength. He has a good arm, but you see this, and you're like, okay, th- this is that's, that's a one dude. less thing. What's that? It's a real dude. It's a real, it's a real dude. I, the uh, one play that really stuck out to me, he rolled out to his right and just got walloped. Yes. I, I thought he, yeah, I, they had to pull him out of the third row up in the stands. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this dude isn't coming back. He got and he was right back in the game. Right Let's back go. out there. And if I recall correct, correctly, that play, he probably should have thrown it away a little earlier. And those are the things you try to sort out. But to your point, it, it does talk about his toughness. All right. We're going to speed through these uh, NFL top five. But first, we'll take a quick break, and then we come back, we'll, we'll do that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just for completeness, pop, pop on Cam and drop, drop on DJ? Oh, yes. Okay. All right, let's talk about these, our top five rookie performances. I mean, I think we all know who number one is, but let's start at the bottom here at number five. Got to get my list here. Tank Dell, he had five receptions for 145 yards and a touchdown. And everything that we saw in this pre-draft process and what we see him do down at the senior bowl, and some of the plays he actually made, and we talked about him uh, during the preseason as one of the rookies to watch. And when he gets his opportunity, because of that unique speed, uh, he's taking advantage of those opportunities. And he had a uh, a big game uh, last week. Yeah, Jacksonville needs to sort of Houston too. A great win for Houston. Jacksonville's defense a couple times on those routes. He was he was just running by people. They were just standing around looking looking at each other. That's it. Let me ask you quickly about this. He's lining up outside a good bit. He's undersized. How do you feel about that? Well, it's working. Yeah, but they, uh, you're not seeing anyone really get up and press him. No. So, he, you know, it's, it's how teams adjust. Like uh, your guy, Puka. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't have as great a game. Last you still time. mad at him? No, I'm not mad at him. Those all cooler jets. I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame too early. <laughs> all right, number four. Our guy. Sam Laporta. I mean, this dude's been balling. We talk about Puka, but this guy's been absolutely balling out. Um, 
I'll read you a fun little stat that from next gen stats about Sam Laporta. And you can tell me about his, his game, eight, eight uh, receptions, 84 yards, 11 targets had a touchdown, but uh next gen stats notes that Laporta had almost all this production come on in breaking routes, catching seven of eight targets for 87 yards, uh, which is something that you would imagine other teams will look at, but he was, they were trying to get him the ball and scheme him open. That's how important he is to that offense. Yeah. And this is just a lesson is that Iowa did not have great quarterback play last year. So, but you have to grade the flashes, you know, on, on some of these kids, cause they're not going to have like, he didn't have the same opportunities as Kincaid or yeah. Musgrave when he was healthy. Now I know Musgrave was hurt last year and some of these other tight ends, but this kid was not only a good receiver when he had his chances, but they ran five yard outs to him. That's all they threw to him last year at Iowa, <laughs> and, uh, but he was a good athlete. He had a good pre-draft process. He can block, he gives effort there. And that's part of, I don't want to say uncovering, but trying to project some of the flashes that you see and how you're projecting it for your offense at the next level. And this is a great job by Brad Holmes and that coaching staff seeing what was hitting underneath the curtain. And it wasn't like Debo behind the <laughs> Wizard of Oz curtain that he plays. This guy is actually beautiful when he comes out of behind the curtain. Oh my goodness. Making Call Debo money. ugly. <laughs> By the way, a similar note from my perspective about guys that I just didn't like coming out, in part because I didn't do the math about the quarterback play. Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, who's now in Los Angeles for the Chargers and a pretty important part of that offense. It's going to be even more important now that Mike Williams is out with an ACL. But that's a that's an important point to remember when you're sort of looking at these dudes. All right, number three. And this is a young man that we had on set of the Combine. I liked him a lot then. He was sort of under the radar media-wise, went in the second round to the Chargers, and he was on the field for 64 snaps in that game against Minnesota that went back and forth. It seemed like anybody wanted to win it. Thule, two below two, uh, four tackles, had a sack, four quarterback hurries, and tackle for loss. Played some nine, played him some seven, played a little five technique at times. Um, and by the way, you have Khalil Mack on one side, and a couple of times they had uh, Bosa lined up at, seven and they would line up Thule at five. That's a problem for an offensive line. Right. And their teams are trying to scheme, make sure that they can handle Bosa or Matt, one of those two. And this get it's given this kid a chance and he's taking advantage of them to have uh, some one-on-one situations or to take advantage, especially if he goes inside. And we've seen some of this at USC where they played him at multiple positions as well. And the biggest question I believe that we were talking about, is he a three technique, a five technique? Is he a wide nine? But he's shown that he can play multiple positions and he's taking advantage of the opportunities he's getting because everybody else is kind of focused on Boza and Mac. He's stronger than I, I thought he would be at this point. He he was given some, some even the, the tackles, but when he would kick inside and, and run through the, the A or B cap, he was given the interior offensive lineman problems. And he had some pat. Look, he had the bull rush. He had a little rip move. I was impressed with how far he seems to have come since we watched him in the fall. Yeah, I, I read my college report on him. Yeah. So I, I was uh, sound like I was a little higher on him than you were, but liked him. shocking. Loved him, though. Okay, fair enough. All right, number two, and – there's an easy case to be made that he should be number one, but just based on what number one did, it's hard to, to overlook that. But number two for me is CJ Stroud, 20 of 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, fumbles or interceptions. And he ran three, three times for 14 yards. 
he looks like a grizzled veteran. Like this is best case scenario if you're D'Amico Ryans and your franchise quarterback. Because remember, we're having conversations in the spring about maybe the Texans don't like a quarterback at two if it's not Bryce. They'll just take Will Anderson. They ended up getting both. And you had said the whole time, you can't come out of this draft without a quarterback. Well, it looks like whatever happens with Bryce, it looks like the Texans got their dude. Yeah. No, he's been phenomenal. And we talked about it last week. We keep talking about him every week and the progress he's made from that week preseason game one against New England to where he's at now and how much more comfortable he looks. Uh, It's been fun to watch his progress. I think Houston and that coaching staff and Slowick and all those guys have done a phenomenal job bringing this kid along. And Whatever test that was, I don't remember if you remember, Ryan. You yeah, know, that BS test about measuring yeah, your. Well, I mean, you know, he had like a lowest score on that whatever test. Well, that tells you how how important that test is sometimes. And by the way, I was talking to a, a team after that all came out, and you know the media was making a big thing about it in the the weeks leading up to the draft. And you know this better than I do, but he said to me, "We knew about this the moment the test results came out. This isn't breaking news to us." Right. Um, whether the test is what it is, but the results are. As I told you on these tests, you got to be careful of the overall score. Right. Because sometimes there may be one particular area that's low that brings that score down, but it may not be uh, as important at that position. So I don't know what the tests are. I've never seen a test. So I don't want to, you know, spread at the test, but I just knew the tests that we used. Some of the times we wanted low scores in specific categories for specific positions. So as I'm looking through my notes here from the Jaguars game, um, CJ continues to throw with incredible anticipation, which is not unheard of, but it, it's something you want to see out of a young quarterback, no doubt about it. But I made note of two plays. Both were incompletions. Both were One was one of the best passes I saw all week, and it was Nico Collins running a little – glance route, little skinny post or whatever. And CJ threw it with so much anticipation that Nico took five steps from the time he let the ball go until the ball came to him on a 15 yard route, three steps in, he turns around, the ball hits him in the hands. The cornerback who's in incredibly tight coverage knows nothing about it. And Nico just can't hold on to it. I think the ball surprised him. And then another time CJ rolled to his right through the front pylon Dalton Schultz could have made that catch at the end zone. He didn't make it. I'm sure he probably thought he should have made it. But two more incompletions. He could have been 22 or 30 and had another touchdown there. I don't know how much better he can play. He's going to get better. He's going to continue to play better because you can see the confidence level and the command he's starting to have with this offense. And all the things that we've seen, because we knew he was a very good passer coming out of Ohio State. Um, But – he's just taking his game to another level. And uh, I think this guy has future star written all over him. If he continues to ascend the way he's ascending. Yeah. We got to play that uh, interview on rerun where he calls you off for question him in his first college game. Was that Indiana? No, was it Minnesota? Not Minnesota. It was Minnesota. In the rain in his first start. Let a brother warm up Rick Spielman. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, finally, number one, no surprise here. Devon a chain. 18 rushes, 203 yards. That's not a misprint. Two touchdowns, four receptions for 30 yards, two more receiving touchdowns. And my man had a career day in, in one uh, career, a career in one day. 
look, we talked a lot during the pre-draft process that he likes to run between the tackles, even though he's undersized. I don't have any idea if he's good at that at the NFL level because no one got a finger on him for much of the afternoon. But his speed was on full display, and Mike McDaniel's offense was on full display and finding ways, creative ways to get him the ball in space. I'll just mention this. One of the touchdown runs, I think it was one of the end arounds, I counted six Denver Broncos defenders on the ground at the same time. You're not going to win playing that way, but Devon A. Chain had a great afternoon. Yeah, no, you got to give him credit for what he, the explosive playmaker he is. And, um, you know, his size was the biggest concern, but we all talked about the speed and he plays bigger than his size. Uh, great kid. He was hurt a lot in the preseason, I believe, or injured right at the beginning of the year. So it looks like he's back to being healthy. And uh, maybe we always, sometimes I would say to myself, you know, because they were in on the Dalvin Cook trying to get Dalvin Cook down there, but sometimes the deals that don't happen are the best deals that you make anyway. And if he can play like this with Mostert, and if Wilson comes back, they have more than enough depth at running back. I mean, how many running backs do you need when you have Mostert, you have A-Chain, A-Chain, you have you know Cook in the, situa- in the mix, and then you mentioned Jeff Wilson, of course, and then the speed. And they did all this, by the way, without Jalen Waddell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two was playing pretty well, too. And you got to get Mike McDaniel. He is just – he seems like a genius right now, offensive genius. You see him on the sidelines. He's got his little uh, pants on that I wear, the joggers that you hate, pulled up to his knees. You're like, okay, I, I can't take this guy seriously. And then he starts dialing up plays. And you're like, okay, I need to, I can't be fooled by the way this guy looks. Like he, you know, he works at a video store or something, other than more video stores, but he he would have worked at Blockbuster back in the day. I'll uh, finish stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The book by the cover. Don't fall for it. That guy is a mad scientist. All right, Rick, that's it. Only six minutes over. That's wrapping up episode eight. Three. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, leave a five star review, in the name of a player, and we'll evaluate that player in an upcoming show. Otherwise, thank you, Rick, as always. Thank you, Debo, as always, for producing. And thank you all you people out there who watch and listen and comment. And, Brian, I want to thank you for the in-depth half-hour discussion on Oregon players. <laughs> I know. Quite enlightening. You are, you are up to speed on Oregon football until next week. Uh, next year. I mean, I don't Next year. Watch. That's right. But uh, we'll be back Thursday because we're going to talk about uh, – the top 10 picks in the draft. Going to grade how those guys are doing so far. Not a draft, Rick. We're going to give out grades just so Debo's clear on that. Uh, so we'll see you guys Thursday. CBS Sunday, after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.